0: It's
1: One of the first stories that I learned as a child was the story of creation. It was taught to me by a Sunday school teacher with a flannel graph board. How many of you remember flannel graph? You're gonna date yourself if you say yes. You know, that felt-covered board that you could stick figures on. I think it was like the precursor to Velcro. Velcro. I don't know. But but she would, you know, she, God created the ocean and she'd stick some water up on the board. And God created the sun and the moon and the stars and she'd stick those up on the board. And God created elephants and she'd stick an elephant on the board. And then finally it got around to and God created us. And they put a man and a woman on the board. And I learned from that lesson not only that God was the creator but that I mattered because I am a creation of our God that means I matter there is value there is worth to being human because we're created by God But then a few years later, I got older in school, and I started having science teachers who said, no, the world was not created by some divine cosmic being. The world came about because of the accidental collision of some cosmic forces that happened to come together in just the right way at just the right time to create this world in which we live, and eventually these microorganisms crawled out of the primordial ooze and one thing turned to another thing and eventually there was us now that's not how they said it okay I I I mean that's not that's not what the science teacher said but to my mind that's what it meant you know that's as I heard this I go okay you're telling me that this world in which we live that is full of order and, and beautiful things, just kind of, there it is. I'll never forget, I had a um, preacher one time, he was talking about creation, and he took, uh, he had alphabet letters, and he stuck them in a bag, and he shook them up, and he dumped them out and he said the odds of the of the world and life being created the way they describe it are worse than the odds of me being able to dump out 26 letters on the ground and they fall in order. Do you think you could do that? Could you dump out 26 alphabet letters and ever get them to line up a to z? I'm not going to try. And so I was faced with a choice, and I realized that the choice I made was significant. I wasn't just deciding between two competing ideas of how life came to be and how I came to be. I am deciding between what that means for my life. As I said, when, if I believe in creation, it means my life has value and purpose and significance. But if I'm just the result of some accidental collision of gases and matter coming together and eventually evolved from an amoeba to me, then that means life is just very random. I'm a a product of chance and circumstance and really don't have any value at all. The key for me was Genesis 126, and that is our scripture today. If you want to find Genesis 126, it's on page one. Actually, if you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 30, because they put a bunch of other stuff before you get to the actual Bible. But it's the first page of the actual Bible. And after going through this story of creation... In Genesis one twenty six, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Just going to stop there. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. I find that a lot of people struggle with the question of self-esteem, self-worth. Uh, they find themselves asking the question, do I matter? Is my life significant? And there are many influences in our world that seek to tear down, to demean, to criticize, to feed that idea that you don't matter and you're not important. It can happen in the home. It can happen in the school. It can happen on social media. It can happen in the workplace. Sometimes it can even happen at church where we fail to fully affirm someone's worth and value and significance. But Genesis 126 Answers that question, do I matter? Am I important? Is my life meaningful? Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. That verse teaches us a great promise. And this is what you got to hold on to. You can forget everything else I say this morning, but hold on to this. We are created by God in God's image for God's glory. Repeat after me. We are created by God. Created by God. In God's image. In God's image. For, God's glory. for God's glory. We are created by God in God's image for God's glory. Hold on to that because that answers the question, do you matter? It answers the question of self-esteem by helping us to understand it's really not self-esteem. It is (laughs) God-esteem. That my self-esteem comes from the fact that I am made by God. They used to have a a little poster that, that shows a child there, and it said, God don't make no junk. I love that. God don't make no junk. (laughs) I have a little poster outside my office that says, I'm me. Deal with it. (laughs) I, I just like that. I don't know. But, God made us to be like him more than anything else. Think about that. God didn't create the oceans and go, let us make the the oceans in our image and in our likeness. He didn't say, let's make the mountains in our image and our likeness. Let's make the forest. Let's make the animals. No, the only thing that was made in the image and the likeness of God is us. And about everything else God created, he said, that's good. That's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. When he created us, he said, that is very good. He set us apart from the very beginning as the pinnacle of his creation. Because he made us in his image and in his likeness. Well, what does that mean? You know, when we, if we say of a person, well, you're, you're in that person's likeness or image, we're saying they look like them. You may say of a son, well, you, you look an awful lot like your dad. But that's not what it means because God doesn't have a human body. So God doesn't look like me. Thank God. God doesn't look like you. God doesn't look like any of us because he doesn't have a human form as we do. So when it says we're in his image and in his likeness, it doesn't mean we look like him, but it means we have the potential to be like him. Do you ever say of somebody that, well, you take after your mom? And they say, well, what do you mean? Well, you laugh just like her. You know, you have your dad's temper. (laughs) Or, you know, they can be personality traits that you've acquired that are similar to your parents. And that's what this verse means. When it says we are in God's image and God's likeness, it means that we have within us the potential to display qualities that are like God. Like what? Like wisdom. Like kindness. Like love and grace and forgiveness. Those are all God-like qualities. But they're not natural to us as human beings. They are qualities that we have only when we develop our relationship with our Creator. Creator. Only when we allow the image of our Creator to emerge are we capable of doing those things. It's kind of like a mirror in the bathroom. You take a real hot shower and you get out, and what's happened to the mirror? It's all steamed up. Can't see yourself in it. I could see myself in it before I got in the shower. I can't see myself now. Well, what's happened? Well, the steam has fogged up the mirror. So I take a towel and I swipe across it. No, there I am. And then I keep swiping until my image appears fully again. See, that's exactly what's happened to us. Sin has fogged up the mirror of God's image in your life. Sin has distorted us to the point that it makes the image of God unrecognizable. In Romans 3.23 it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Think about that. We are made by God in God's image for God's glory. But because of sin, we all fall short of God's glory. We don't glorify God the way we should because of our sinful human nature. So what needs to happen? That needs to be wiped away. And through our relationship with Jesus Christ, he says, let me clean your mirror. Let me wipe away that which causes the image of God to be blurred and obscured. And let me... Clean it off. Remove it in such a way that now people can see God in you. Sue got a special gift for her birthday last week. She got to spend the entire day with me. Huh? I know, you're all jealous. You're all jealous. Let me know when your birthday is. I'll see what I can do. Okay? Okay? See if I can clear the calendar and spend the day with you. I, you will have to feed me, though, just so you know. That's part of the deal. Uh, but several days before her birthday, she was given a container, a clear container, that had the cocoon of a monarch butterfly suspended from the lid. And she was told that uh, this butterfly... Is expected to hatch. I guess that's what you call it. Uh, emerge any day, and you just watch it. And once it emerges, you have to give it a few hours for the wings to to expand and reach their full size. And then you just simply put it outside, open the lid, and release it. Well, we had that that cocoon, for several days. Then on her birthday, I took her to breakfast, and we came home, and there was no longer a cocoon. There was a monarch butterfly in that container. We waited while its wings developed. We took it out on our deck. We took off the lid. It climbed out, and it flew away. And as I was thinking about this message at that time, I thought that's a perfect example of what happens to us. There was always a butterfly there. When that egg was laid, it was meant to be a butterfly. But instead of a butterfly, you got this wormy looking thing called a caterpillar that crawled around. And it was very difficult to look at that caterpillar and say, that's a butterfly. Doesn't look like one. Doesn't act like one. But that's what it is. It's a butterfly. And it was only after it enshrouded itself in that cocoon that it could transform into what it was meant to be. And so it is with us. From the moment you are born, you are meant to be a child of God. You are meant to display the image of God in your life, the likeness of God in you. But because of sin, we go through the caterpillar stage where God's not very recognizable. But then through Christ... It changes. We are transformed. I like the way Paul says it in Colossians 3 9 and 10. It says, You've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. The butterfly had to take off (laughs) the caterpillar in order to become. The butterfly. Now, when I first read that scripture uh, a long time ago, the image that immediately came to mind was changing your clothes. You know, you put off, you put on. You put off, you put on. And shortly after we were married, Sue got a job as a math teacher at a private high school. It was a boarding school. It was a Christian boarding school. And they had chapel twice a week. Now, the people that worked at this boarding school were, uh, I'm going to use the word stodgy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what were. They, they were very straight-laced, kind of serious-minded people. All the guys wore their dark suits with their white shirts and their ties, and they all acted very dignified, and they would conduct chapel accordingly. Well, they found out I was a youth pastor, married to one of their faculty members, and they said, why don't we ask Roger to do chapel? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't think that through very carefully. I decided that I should talk to the kids about Colossians 3, 9, and 10. And since it brought to mind the image of changing clothes, I said, that's what I should do. I should change my clothes in chapel. So I walked out on the stage, I got introduced, today we have Pastor Roger Gardner, he's the youth pastor at Jonesboro Christian Church, and he's come to share with you the word of the Lord. (laughs) I come walking out in dirty raggy blue jeans that have holes on them and paint on them, they were my work jeans, and I have this old ratty t-shirt with holes in it and stains on it and paint on it. I have the dirtiest, grubbiest sneakers I could find. And I walk out on stage, and they're all sitting there going, what is this? And I begin to talk to them about what it means to take off your old self and put on your new. So I pull off my shirt. Now, under that shirt, I had on a very nice shirt t-shirt over which I then put on a dress shirt much like I'm wearing today. I took off my old socks, put on clean socks. Took off my old ratty sneakers and pulled out my well-shined dress shoes. But I still had my pants. They had to go. So I turned around and proceeded to undo my pants and dropped them. Now, I had on gym shorts. I wasn't being, you know, inappropriate. (laughs) You should have seen the guys then, the school administrators. Yeah, I think they were about to call security. But, I, but each piece of clothing represented something that we need to take off, and each new piece of clothing represented something that we need to take on to wear the Christian life. And, and then I ended up looking about like I do now. It was quite a transformation. And months later, kids would come up to me and say, I remember that chapel message. Because it made an impression. And I told him what you need to remember is that Christ makes you new by restoring that image of God that is the real you, the you that God created you to be. You know, pop psychology says that you should look within yourself to find the meaning of your life. Magazines suggest that you have to look a certain way, you have to dress a certain way. Infomercials tell you you have to buy certain products in order to be happy. But God says you are important, you matter, and you're valuable just because you are. Because you are created by God in the image of God for the glory of God. Just think how much sadness and disappointment and depression and anxiety would be eliminated if we could understand ourselves that way. Someone calls you a lost cause. Someone brands you a failure. Someone dismisses you as insignificant. Don't you ever believe it. Because God says otherwise. Let me share with you what uh, one of my favorite pastors, Max Lucado, says. He said, you were conceived by God before you were conceived by your parents. You were loved in heaven before you were known on earth. You aren't an accident. You are not a random fluke of genetics or evolution. You aren't defined by the number of pounds you weigh, the followers you have on Facebook, the cars you drive, or the clothes you wear. You are being made into God's image. And in the eyes of God, you are worth dying for. Would you let that truth... Define yourself. Would you let that truth define the way you see other people? By the way, after the butterfly flew off, a couple hours later it came back. It landed on our deck rail. Then it flew into a maple tree just off the deck and we were able to get a picture of it, and we, and Sue painted a picture of it so that we would have something to remember, that butterfly that used to be a caterpillar and now had fulfilled its God-given potential. And every time you see a butterfly, I hope you'll remember you are made by God in God's image for God's glory. That is who you are. Let us pray. God, I thank you so much for this teaching in your word that tells us that we matter. We live in a world that so often tries to tell us we don't. A world that doesn't appreciate who we are, a a world that devalues human life and human potential. But you, O Lord, know us for who we are. You know what we were created to be. And I pray that every day we would seek to make another swipe on the mirror, that we would seek to let your image shine through more fully and more clearly so that those around us can see you reflected in us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can never reveal the image of God in you without Jesus. Jesus came to reveal God's image to us. We understand who God is and how much God loves us because of Jesus, and we can only understand who we are and how much God loves us through Him. So if you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want you to have one. You need one so that that image of God can shine through you. It would be my privilege during this time of invitation to receive you, to welcome you, to pray with you, to lead you in a simple statement of faith that says I believe in Jesus and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. We'll arrange for your baptism and we will begin to wipe away that mirror so that you can see what God created you to be. Let us stand together and sing hymn number 337, verses 1 and 3.
0: Simple.